Welcome to Kidney Transplant Conversations, episode 13, in which we meet Mike and Andrea. Kidney Transplant Conversations is underwritten by Veloxis Pharmaceuticals, Inc. All views and opinions expressed in the podcast reflect those of the participants. Looking back on his childhood and ancestry, Mike can see many signs of hereditary PKD, polycystic kidney disease, in his family. But at the time of diagnosis, it came as a surprise. From that point onwards, he knew the clock was ticking and that a kidney transplant would most likely be needed. With an anticipated six-year wait for a kidney transplant for an older recipient, Mike started looking into the possibility of finding a living donor by researching resources that could help him. And later in this episode, Mike's niece, Andrea, tells us about how and why she came forward with an act of kindness and love for her Uncle Mike and the journey this has led to, including some unexpected discoveries. She'll also tell us about her involvement with kidney donor athletes and the unusual way she spent World Kidney Day this year. But first, I started our discussion by asking Mike to share with us how he found out that he had kidney disease and how he then approached the challenge of making a kidney transplant happen. Basically, back uh, when I was seven years old, my father passed away. And, uh, you know, and uh, this was back in 1958. This was a long time ago. He was 44 and uh, I was seven. And uh, I always asked my mother all this time, well, what did my dad pass away from? And she always said, well, he passed away from kidney disease. So that's all I ever knew about. She didn't elaborate on anything. And uh, the only thing she ever told me, so, well, they were trying out some new blood cleaning machines or something like that. So it was kind of the beginning of dialysis, you know, as far as being well known and being used. I went on with that. I even uh, attended funerals or at least a funeral from one of my dad's uncles and he passed away from kidney disease. It wasn't until probably about, you know, life went on. I didn't even think much about it. And in 2006, I went in for an annual physical, my PCP he took a look at my blood work and he says, well, your creatinine and your EGFR numbers don't look correct. So needless to say, uh, uh, from that point, it was CAT scans and it was, uh, you know, nephrologists and all this stuff. And what it results to, I was uh, diagnosed as having a PKD, which is a polycystic kidney disease, which is hereditary. My nephrologist, he said that, well, it appears to me, uh, it looks like you got a slow progressing disease. And because uh, uh, my EGFR back then was around 48. You know, you start getting down around that area. How soon after that did you start thinking maybe the solution would be to have a transplant? Well, I knew I was going to need a transplant, but when? That's a problem I had because it was slow. It went on long enough as far as uh, decreasing uh, kidney functions for years since, you know, beginning 2008. I kept progressively getting worse. And I couldn't really do anything until my uh, EGFR or anything like that hit around uh, 15 as far as being eligible for to get on the transplant list. In 2019, I was able to get on the list because my blood work has gotten so poor at that time. And at that point, I was seeing nephrologists monthly when I was having blood draws done monthly. They were changing my drugs every month. That's when I really started looking at 
finding a kidney donor because oh, I couldn't yeah. do much until I was actually on a list. Of course, they ask you all these questions, you know, about your health and who passed away. And, you know, they, the oddest question they ask, well, did your father pass away from an aneurysm? I said, no, he passed away from kidney disease. And they said, well, we're going to have to run all these tests on you. So they did all sorts of stuff. And, you know, they did CAT scans in my head and everything like that. And they said, well, it appears you have a small aneurysm that we, we're going to have to repair. And so, okay, 2019 was a tough year for me because besides that, I also had two abdominal surgeries, you know, for small bowel obstruction, then developing hernias through this large incision in my abdomen. So I had those surgeries in there. And uh, then they did aneurysm surgery on me. And of course, for my aneurysm surgery, I, I developed blood clots. I had two subdural hematomas. And so I had to go in, and they had to do burr holes on the left side and the right side. So they drill into your head. And of course, you're awake for this. Well, needless to say, I was taken back off the list as far as transplants. Because of all the other stuff that was going yeah. on. You've got too many health problems. They said, let's see where you're at. So, you know, about six months went by. They said, you're not going to lose a place in line. Of course, that, li that line for me was at least six years. That's what they told me. Finally, I got, was able to get put back on the list after I recovered. At that time, I was dealing with so many other surgeries. I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking about kidneys. So that's when I started inquiring. I was looking hard, the, the, at least uh, starting a year before I actually got a transplant. When I did get the big ass, big give, because I was calling a lot of people. I got a hold of them. I looked at some of their uh, webinars. I talked with kidney uh, donors and kidney pe people that received some because I was able to get some names of some people. When I looked at the big ass, big give, all their stuff in there, they, you know, they had a list of, here's everything you should do. So National Kidney Foundation runs Big Ask, Big Give. Yes. And they, they had a list of people that had already gone through the process recipients of a, a living donor transplant and they and you were able to talk to some of those people probably the two people the donor and the recipient and you know they of course they gave me references even to books and other things so they they were helpful uh i also uh, uh the big ass on one of the webinars here's all the things you should be looking at and doing all these things well you know i'm not uh very media savvy, let's put it that way. I don't do really any social things on, on the internet. Uh, I look at things, but I don't type in, you know, I don't, I usually leave my opinion out of everything. You know, so I'm ignorant when it came to that stuff because I'm an old guy. And you don't want to be at a disadvantage because you're not used to using Facebook every day. Yeah, that, that's that's correct, you know. And I think honestly, you know, uh, women have an advantage because there are more women on Facebook than men uh -huh. generally. Um, so you've, you, you've got to compensate for that somehow. They said, find somebody to be your champion. That was one of the things. And, uh, my, my daughter-in-law, she volunteered for this, this project. And she was probably the most helpful one of all, uh, cause she put the word out, you know, everything. And, you know, she started, of course she had her phone number down on that. Cause, and so she re received all these calls and she was kind of surprised how many calls she did get. So did she use social media on your behalf? Yes, yes, really that's correct. Because I go, I don't know, what do I do here? You know, I look around, I go, well, because I, I, I've never really done it because I'm not that type of person. Was that uh, suggested to you as, as part of Big Ask, Big Give that you find a champion? 
That's yeah. something that they coached you to do, I guess. Yeah. So that was it. There was probably some other things in there that were that they suggested. I go, that's kind of not my personality. I can't re I can't remember what they were right now, but I go, well, I'd find it awkward. I'd really be awkward doing asking this way. Did you ever at any time say to yourself, I couldn't possibly ask somebody else to give me a kidney? It's too much. Well, that's probably why I didn't, you know, I didn't even bring up to anybody I had kidney problems when I was first found out, you know, because, you know, I didn't even, didn't tell anybody. Uh, of course, my wife knew. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, five or six years later that I started telling some people that, yeah, I do have uh, kidney problems and kidney failure. And, but it didn't become well known, you know, to other people besides close friends uh, until I, I got my champion involved where she just threw it out to everybody. And uh, it, it was very helpful. You know, one of the things uh, she had the stickers made, you know, the put in your car type stickers. And so that's where she received a lot of her phone calls from just those things being in cars. I was, she was surprised how many calls she got. Is that and something that's suggested by the program or was that her that's, idea? That's pretty common because you can drive around here and see kidney wanted stickers now and then on cars. And so we had them on ours. So it was, it was a, you know, it was very helpful that she was doing all this work for me because she ended up having the things put together, ordered them. And then she started handing them out to people, gave me a big stack and okay, see who, see who you can get to put these on there. And so that's kind of where we were at that point. Of course, at that point, I was still uh, seeing my nephrologist and taking a lot of drugs to keep off of uh, dialysis. What happened to me was a miracle. It was because you look at the kidney transplant for people my age is very low. Because, uh, you know, when I got my kidney transplant, I was 69. And with this long wait for anything, I said, uh, I told myself that I'm going to be waiting six years or basically at that time at least four years and i go well once you get on dialysis the longer you're on dialysis the less chance you have of a successful kidney transplant and so i was able to get my kidney transplant not being on dialysis and i got a live kidney from a very very healthy person you know we were invited over to our uh, my my nieces and that's my niece on my wife's side and uh, her name's andrea so we were invited over there for some a pizza dinner or something or, you know, we're sitting down to eat and my wife sits down and she goes, she goes, Hey, Andrea, you know, would you mind put, putting it, put a sticker for, for uncle Mike on, uh, you know, on your car, the kidney one and stickers, please call whatever. I can't even remember what's said now. And, uh, she goes, she goes, Oh, and Sue. And just for that split second, I, I said, wait, you won't put a sticker on for me. You know, you know how that, you know, that crosses your mind so quickly and her next words that came out of her my mouth was, I'm approved as a donor for Uncle Mike. And you know, the, uh, and we all sat back, we go, what? And it just came out of the blue. We had no idea she went through all these tests because she didn't want to let anybody know she was doing anything in case she couldn't help. Yes, she kept it completely to herself. And of course, needless to say, the tears were flowing at the table. And uh, it was, uh, you know, we go, whoa, this... You know, you know, I look around and, you know, I got goosebumps. I go, how did this happen? Because I'll be honest with you, I didn't think it was going to happen. You know, I, you know, I think I was just going through the motions because, you know, who's going to give up their kidney? You know, that's kind of what it boils down to. And, it, you know, I, I was really surprised that it, it came out of nowhere. It really did. Somebody just felt like they should give a kidney. 
and uh, it, it it was it was a miracle and she's uh she's 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 a great person she's actually uh very active she even went to college off a of basketball scholarship and she's a real athlete so uh, you know i got a great kidney all the stars lined up for me they did so it was it was That's amazing wonderful. so presumably something that your champion had done um, putting things out on social media and your story got told a few times within your kind of family network mm-hmm. she heard it and then she took it upon herself to get checked out to make sure so she was very thoughtful about it as well she didn't want to tell you unless she really could you hear um, donor stories um, and a lot of times the donor says I wish you'd asked me sooner why yeah. didn't you ask me sooner well. so there's there is that kind of like people really want to do this and want to help um, and maybe have some fear about the procedure or have some fear about this is going to be expensive. Will I be able to get, you know, health insurance after? And it seems that there's been so many things that have happened in the in the last few years that have made all of those things much easier. You know, it was basically from the time I got put on the donors list to the time I had my actual uh, transplant was two years, which I thought would never happen. You know, but I just fly, you put the word out and... Uh, it, uh, it, it happened, you know, and it, it's, like I said, it came out of the blue. So if you're a, if you're a person looking for a kidney, just keep trying, you know, that's all I can say. Keep trying. Cause you never know where a kidney may come from. What keep was the fingers. one key thing about the big ask, big give program that changed things for you? Well, it, it changed my approach because, you know, well, I didn't, first of all, I didn't know how to ask people. You know, that, that's it. You know, how do you ask somebody, how do you put your, how do you put the word out that you need a kidney and no, nobody, uh, uh, you know, I, I, and I didn't even want to ask anybody because I didn't want to let them know I had kidney problems. I was caught in a circle, you know, and, and so uh, this was very helpful, you know, giving them and actually by reading and looking at this and talking to people with the kidney foundation, it showed that you got to be a little more, you got to be more aggressive. I hate to say that. That's what it boils down to. You got to be more aggressive and you can't be timid. You, you got to let people know you, you need a kidney. And that's probably what, what it amounted to is me getting over my, my hesitancy yeah. regarding doing that because uh, right. I, I have a hard time asking, well, can you give me right. your kidney? And also maybe trusting that uh, people want to and are prepared to do far more than you might have realized. Uh, my champion, uh, she ended up uh, like got a lot of calls and she gave them the phone numbers and the information and she texted them back stuff like from the hospital because uh, they have uh, some literature and she may have got some stuff from the uh, kidney foundation. I can't remember everything she was handling on her end. She was able to do the begging for me. That's kind of what it amounted to. If I didn't need one, I could probably do that very easy, but I'm asking for myself, and that's where I had the difficulty. So if Andrea was here, what would you say to her? Oh, I, well, I could, you know, it's, uh, she she knows, uh, I don't know. I just, you're, you're getting me teary-eyed. How can, I don't know. I, I can't even respond on how to answer what I could say to my donor because there's, you know, I, I just, it, she, she, she gave me the gift of life. That's what it boiled down to, and I didn't, think it was possible so i'd say you, you you got me i i didn't bring any kleenex in here that's a problem so oh goodness i can't you know it's very hard via zoom i can't hand you mine yeah so <laughs> so it's it's, and, it's 
that's amazing. So all I can do right now is support her. My donor has become a, a real advocate. She joined a group called the uh, Kidney Donor Athletes. They're kind of a group that ends up uh, trying to show uh, people to give kidneys. They'll live a normal life. They're doing everything they can. And uh, right now, she's with the with that group. And they're in Africa right now. They're, they're going to be climbing uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. They're hoping to be up there on the 10th, on the summit on the 10th. And I think that's called World Kidney Day. Anything else that you would share in terms of encouraging someone who's thinking about asking for a living donor or being a living donor? Like I said, it's an uncomfortable ask. It is. Try and find somebody you're comfortable with that can handle these questions, that can, you know, like I said, be your champion. That, that's probably the biggest thing I needed personally is that uh, I w- it was too awkward for me to ask. And But if you get a third person involved, it, it's easy for them, you know. And so that's probably the biggest thing is, is get a champion because I'm, I'm sure the majority of people are probably like me. Well, I can't go ask somebody something like this. But find somebody else that can on your behalf. And uh, and then all of a sudden, the, the conversations start flowing at that point. And we're so grateful to Mike for sharing his experiences with us all. And to the National Kidney Foundation for introducing us to Mike. Now, you've heard a little about Andrea already. So let's meet the person that changed her Uncle Mike's life in an amazing way and learn about how that action changed her life in some quite unexpected ways too. So I'm so happy to welcome to Kidney Transplant Conversations, Andrea Coleman. Um, How are you, Andrea? It's great to see you. I'm doing great, Ralph. How about you? It's good to see you too. Not too bad, thanks. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado, and still live there today. Um, I've been an athlete my entire life, playing sports through college, um, love hiking and being living the Colorado life as much as I can. And I donated my kidney to my uncle in December of, of 2020, uh, right during in the middle of COVID, which was a fun experience. What an amazing thing to do. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah. He sent us a link to a news story, and you were up on Mount Kilimanjaro. What were you doing up on Mount Kilimanjaro so soon after having surgery and and giving one of your kidneys away? Yeah, um, it was definitely something I never thought I would do in my life, but I was up there with 21 other kidney donors. Um, We're all part of a group called Kidney Donor Athletes. And the point of the group is really to raise awareness around living donation and and help talk to people who are thinking about it and and coach them through what that's like. And then to help live as an example that you can donate your kidney to someone and help them out, but then still be able to do all the things that you want to do in your life. Or maybe for me, like Kilimanjaro, something I never thought I would even do. Um, And so that was, that was really what we were, were doing up there, you know, to just raise awareness about this. Um, We wanted to do something really, really big and thought climbing one of the tallest mountains in the world was was a really good way of doing that. What a fantastic experience. That must have been so exciting. It was 
uh, the best time of my life by by far. It was just such an incredible experience and, and beautiful and to share it with with that group of people that we all had. Maybe we don't have a lot in common all the time in the rest of our life, but we all shared this really unique experience um, of being living donors. And so it was it was just really neat to get to spend that time. Yeah. I mean, what was that like to be actually with a, a, a group where everyone has actually made that organ donation? You know, I have to be honest, I was I was actually um, well, I was really humbled by it because a lot of the people who were on the trip were um altruistic donors so they didn't even know who they were donating their kidney to and some of them led to chains I think we did the math on it and over 40 kidneys were donated because of the 21 people 22 people that were up there because they started some chains or or things like that and so I was just so happy that I was able to to do this for my uncle Mike but I was also really humbled at people who would just kind of go and and do it out of the goodness of their hearts to try to try to help someone and so getting to sort of be around them and hear their stories about why they did it and how passionate they were about kidney donation and about being advocates for it. I'm probably going to say it was a wonderful experience about a million times, but it was. And and just to be surrounded by, by that many people with, with that sort story, it it just, it was really incredible. And everybody um, that I've spoken to that has been a donor, it's obviously a life-changing experience, but you know, sometimes in ways that you, you don't expect. I could not agree more. Um, I, I kind of thought I would, I would do this, you know, I would have a little cut on my stomach for the rest of my life and, and that would be what it was, but it has brought this richness and um, value to my life that, that I never thought I would. I, I've met a lot of new friends and, and great and wonderful people across the country because of it, but just being so thankful for my body and for science and for the fact that I was given the opportunity to do this. It's, it's really changed my life and my outlook on it and just appreciative for everything. And the kind of uh, the, the sense, uh, the sense of possibility that comes, that, that comes with that. It, it seems to be that that possibility to, to really change something is, is quite tangible. It is. I think so often, and and this has been kind of a search in my life, I try to volunteer a lot and do a lot of things to try to help the community around me, but having something so tangible to be able to see my uncle Mike and kind of know the pain that he was in leading up to the surgery. And, and he was such a, he fought so hard and continued to do as much as he could, but I know how tired he was and how hard it was. And to see the immediate change in his life that is, I can't even really describe what that feels like to be able to know that I played a, a part in in that and how grateful I feel that I got to do that. So let's dial back time a little bit. Sure. And um, let's go back to, can you remember when you first became aware that your uncle was unwell? So, you know, I've known for a long time but I didn't know really the extent of it. And it's just because he wasn't incredibly vocal about what was going on. And um, so I kind of knew, and, and, you know, I throughout my life, we went over to his house for barbecues and his son is, is like a good friend of mine. And so we were just kids living life, never really knowing what's going on with our parents. Right. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, more recently 
you know, the last probably five, five to seven years that I started learning a little bit more about what he was going through and what was kind of happening with him. And so I was more aware of it, but to be truthful with you, I didn't know very much about living donation. I didn't even know it was a thing. I just, you know, mm-hmm. I always marked the thing on my driver's license that it's sure I'll, you know, could take all my stuff if, if something happens. I didn't know anything about the fact that I could do something living about it. I knew he was struggling with something. I just didn't know exactly what and for how long and, and how much and, and all of the things that he had been doing for years to to try to live with it the best that he could. Do you remember what it was that put you on that track to to actually thinking, well, actually, I could help? Yeah, so we were over at his, my husband and I um, and a couple other family members were over at his house for, I think it was a, a some sort of holiday gathering or something like we, we did. And we just got to chatting and he had one of the little brochures from the hospital about um, or a donation. He was kind of talking to me a little bit about it, just, just what it was. I was asking some questions. And so that was the first time I, I kind of heard for, heard about it. I took the pamphlet home and it was always just sort of sitting on my my desk. Um, and, and, and I feel that, you know, it's just kind of like an ignorance thing about just not really being aware of how how much he was sort of struggling and, and what was going on. It just it just didn't occur to me. So sort of sitting there and then, you know, it was all all of that sort of was started having to kind of when COVID was really starting. And so we're all sitting at home all day, you know, not being able to go anywhere. And and I mean, pulled this pamphlet out again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to just call and see what happens. And and that was kind of how it started. You know, I wish there was this big light bulb moment about it, but it wasn't. It was just kind of he, you know, he gave me the information and then I called and and the process got going. Yeah, I mean, I guess there doesn't have to be a light bulb moment, right? It's just uh it's kind of like an evolution in your thinking. And you made a call. So who did you call? Uh, so I did my donation through the University of Colorado Health System. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, it was just UC Health in Denver at the Anschwitz, Anschwitz um, campus and just called called them and just kind of went through their procedures. So you called them direct. You didn't call Uncle Mike. Right. I wanted to go through the whole process, but I was really afraid that if I went through it all and then I wasn't a match or they turn it down, I didn't want to disappoint him or get anybody's hopes up Then, then it didn't work out. And I was just, I was just really nervous of letting him down. I kept it to myself and my husband was the only person that knew I was going through all of the testing and stuff just for that reason. And do you know um, if that's, fairly common that people will come and get an assessment without because it's kind of low-key isn't it it's like well I can get an assessment I can see and I'm still kind of like we're still in like decision-making mode yeah and I I don't know how common it is a lot of the people that I've talked to were much more like hey I'm doing this and and much more open about it I I just was a little bit more low-key yeah, whatever um, works. <laughs> it is. And, and, you know, everybody's different. Um, yeah. You know, I'm a little bit more of a private kind of introverted person. And so that's just how I like to live my life anyways. And I think this is kind of like 
you know, what's so hard to appreciate when you're coming into this whole environment for the first time, because you don't know what you don't know and you don't know how these things work. Um, so the kind of journey or the educational journey that you go on is pretty comprehensive. It really is. And I, you know, there just wasn't a lot, you know, I could sort of try to Google some stories and, and Google as much information as I could and talk to my coordinator and everything like that was really great. But there is, to me, it feels like a lack of knowledge and just common discussion and discourse around this and and kind of normalizing it, making it like this is you know, a thing that a lot of people do and you can do, it's, it's still seems very much um, kind of under the radar. And, and that's how it was for me. And, and so just going about the whole process, I was just cautious because there wasn't enough, to me, it felt like information around just making it kind of like a typical thing. Right. And I mean, I, I hope that this podcast can help with that aspect of this whole process, because the more people can share their story, then um, the more prospective donors can just get an impression of what it's like, because everything's kind of so new and different. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I agree with you. I think that this is such a great resource, because for me, I was just thirsty for as much information as I could get on it. And especially hearing what other people went through and some of the emotions around it that were sometimes just more challenging and just knowing that that's okay and, and, and making people feel comfortable with the range of things that you go through. That was the sort of information I was really hungering for. And you must have to um, really think you know, very carefully about the possible risk that you're taking on because there is a risk. For sure. And it was something my husband and I talked about a lot. And I talked about it with the team at the hospital. They said, you know, you don't have to do this. And doctors never want to cut someone open that they don't have to. And and you have to be aware of that. And just besides that part, I, I am very active. And so I was very concerned if, you know, can I still climb 14ers? Can I still run marathons? Will I still be able to do all of these things that I like to do in my life? Um, and there just wasn't a lot out there that that told me or examples that showed that it was you could do all of those things. And so you're right, like weighing those those risks, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's something hard to do on your own in a computer with a computer when you're stuck in your house for you know a year. <laughs> it's a lot to it's a lot to process. It is. But you did you did do it and um even did it during COVID, right? That's correct, yeah. Wow, that, that's that's a lot of excitement going on. <laughs> it, it was. It was, uh, you know, it wasn't how I was expecting to spend the pandemic, but sure glad I did. <laughs> yeah. And and then afterwards, um, what can you remember about after after the procedure? And then you must have spent a little bit of time with 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 Mike, with Uncle Mike afterwards. Uh, what did that what did that feel like? Yeah, so we. Um, our rooms at the hospital were just a couple of doors down. And so the, the afternoon of our surgery, I actually hobbled myself over to say hello to him and, and chat. And he, he looked great. And then later that evening, he came cruising by even that same, same day. He was, I think, allegedly moving much faster than I was um, after that. But, you know, my recovery, 
thankfully was easy. I was started walking a mile or two um, a couple of days after, and then I started running again a month after. Wow. Um, and and I so I felt really great right away. You know, there was this, some of the soreness and stuff, and that lasted for a little while. Um, but I think continuing to move helped me heal a little bit faster. But then it was also really motivating to see my uncle Mike. We had a big snowstorm like a month or so after our surgery uh, in Colorado, and he was out shoveling like this, you know, inches and inches of snow. And and so just seeing him and seeing, hearing uh, my aunt, his his wife talk about how he was, you know, eating it and much better and like just moving around and had so much more energy. That part helped me kind of move through my recovery as well, because it's so motivating to see him doing so well. And it's so it's just so inspirational to hear you talking about the whole thing like this. And uh, it was how long ago now? The I donated December 2nd of 2020. So it's nearly two years. But within two years, you're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. I, and I actually I ran a marathon on the year anniversary wow. of the donation. And then, yeah, I climbed Kilimanjaro about two, three months after that. Well, I am just amazed and 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 humbled to hear your story um it's just it's just such a it's just such a pleasure to you know see your enthusiasm and the kind of the the brightness of your spirit coming over talking about it well thank you and and i appreciate you letting me chat about it because it has been you know just one of the best things that i've ever done in my life i'm just so grateful for the doctors and for science and for all the support that I was able to find and just that I was so blessed to be able to, to give this gift. Um, and, you know, knowing what I know now, I like to think that even if I didn't know somebody who needed one, that, that I would still donate, you know, that I would do anything that I could, because it really has, it's, it's amazing to, to see the, how you can make an impact in somebody else's life, but the gifts that it's given me, for donating that, it's just been something I never, ever would have thought I would have done in my life. Have you had the chance to talk to other potential donors? Um, here and there. Um, part of this, the kidney donor athlete, um, part of what we try to do is is chat with folks. So they try to match us up with people who have similar maybe athletic backgrounds or live in the same state um, or do things like that to try to match us up to talk to some donors. So I've, I've chatted with a few people here and there. Um, and then I have other friends who are part of the part of different groups um, through the Kidney Foundation and things like that that also try to mentor and talk to talk to potential donors. So that's all part of the process. Yes, exactly. And you don't mind talking about it? Not at all. Um, I, you know, I, again, I, I mentioned earlier that I'm a little bit of an introvert and I, I don't like to be very, here I am, um, about anything. But if, anybody says anything or I get the opportunity to kind of just discuss that this is something you can do, you can think about it. Um, it's it's a really rich thing that you can do in your life. If I get that chance, I'm, it's one of the things I'm not afraid to be a little bit more gregarious about and, and out there. Fantastic. Well, look, thanks so much for joining us on Kidney Transplant Conversations. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you about, about your story and thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you, Ralph. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity and thanks for all that you're doing to help raise awareness and hopefully bring more people to the cause.
Well, many, many thanks to Andrea and Mike for sharing their stories on this episode of Kidney Transplant Conversations. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us today. Andrea tells me that her organization, Kidney Donor Athletes, is really interested in hearing from new members who'd like to join and participate. A link is in the podcast description or Google Kidney Donor Athletes. Thank you again to our Kidney Transplant Conversations underwriter, Veloxis Pharmaceuticals, Inc. All views and opinions expressed in the podcast reflect those of the participants and the information shared in the podcast should not be considered medical advice in any way. On our next episode, we'll be hearing from the National Living Donor Assistance Centre and also talking with Risa Simon about the Donor Seeker Programme. Until then, be safe, be well, and thanks for listening. Copyright Project Advocacy 2022.